0: Hey buddy, how you doing? This is Tim Josma welcoming you to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. Joining me all the way in Portland, Maine is the holiest of holies. It is the Reverend Tracy. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great, honestly. I finally got the last big piece of things I needed to get to be settled in and kind of feel like I could start having a regular rhythm at home. I thrift stored the shit out of a dryer today and got it here a cool new local friend because um, we've already like made some cool friends in the area uh, and one of them does have a truck and they were totally more than willing to help us out with this washer and dryer situation so yeah. it is nice it is done I do not have to go to the laundromat <laughs> this week I really thought I was going to have to I'm trying to get so much shit done uh-huh. but uh what about you how's your week in general then
0: Oh, man. Um, oh, I did forget to mention this. We we're supposed to mention this at the beginning and uh, at the closing. Um, this, We got to do it 20 times before it becomes a habit. But I yes. think. um so if this is the first time you are listening to the show, thank you for listening. And please remember to subscribe and share us on social media. Follow us on social media and discord to keep up with us throughout the week. Links are in the show description. Now, as far as my week, it's been shitty. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, I know. Because, you know, we're friends in real life. IRL for those cool kids out there. And, uh, yeah, it's been a uh, super bummer to hear about some updates.
0: Yeah, um, well, the professor and I are going to go into it a little further on a standalone episode. But, um, you know, we've been open uh, the past few weeks that our cat Sherman, um, shortly after uh, Mike, uh, our cat Phil passed away, our cat Sherman started showing some signs of being sick, Um, went to the hospital some point in July, but we were able to get him back to feeling somewhat better, but sadly things did take a turn for the worse again and uh this past saturday um we got the call at about three o'clock in the morning that because he was in the vet, already at the vet for an overnight visit that the time was coming soon so we hopped in the car went all the way to cl- uh, some place in clackamas because um that's something something we could talk about at some point too because with the pandemic being what it is one place that has been heavily affected that you don't hear about is veterinarian a lot of uh, staffing shortages there, so the reason we had to go way out there was that was the only place. So uh, we went out there. We're able. He was still alive uh, when we were out there, but barely. And um, you know, it was so sad because they they brought him into a room with us and we're going ahead with the procedure while uh, the professor was holding him. And the last thing he did was look at me. Oh. Yeah, just turned and looked me straight in the eye. But having said that, he was 16. He was an old man. You know, it's like a, a you know person when they're a human when they're 90, 95 years old, and they pass away. Part of me is indeed sad, but part of me is just like they lived a hell of a long life and that should be celebrated, you know. So, um, like I said, we will have uh, some more thoughts uh, uh, about Sherman as well, because um, your pets are part of your family. You know, I mean, they I mean, they're not humans. So they you know, I wouldn't want a pet driving a car and all that stuff, of course. But they you still got to treat them uh, with respect and all that.
1: Oh yeah. And you know, not, I would never want to invalidate anybody's, you know, grieving process with their pets. I know where their, or animal companions, however you view it. I know I'm going to have a rough time when Beans goes, even though people tell me all the time, Beans does not look like she's more than 10. But she's getting older, you know, she's born in 08. So people who are better at math, I don't feel like using a calculator right now or attempting to do it. 13. But, you know, she, thank you. She's basically, she's getting up there in age, like, especially for being, you know, she's inbred, but totally. She was found in a, a house, with like 40 cats in it. Her back legs were short. Like, I really <laughs> thought she would have more problems by now, but she actually is in really great health. But at the same time, I have to be realistic because I know that's going to be around the corner at some point. So it's weird, right? Because there gets to be a point when your cats get to an age where you start to expect it, but you try not to just constantly bug yourself out about it. So
0: (laughs) It's, yeah, I mean, because they have such short lives compared to humans, you know, it it doesn't hurt any less. Um, I mean, the thing, I guess... I keep in mind is that I'm sure there are going to be plenty of other furry friends for me down the road. And, you know, the best thing I can do is to, you know, to honor Phil and Sherman's memory is just to try to, you know, cheer myself up. And if there are any further furry friends in my future, I loved all those F's alliteration for the win. Um, I'm going to love them as much as I can. So there we go.
1: I oh, Maybe I should just bring you beans, just like toad her, <laughs> just pay to bring her with me when I come to Oregon. Just be like, here you go, Tim. Eh, take care of this old little bitty. No,
0: I'll be busy that then Washing my hair. No,
1: no, no. no. <laughs> she is, she's amazing. We have a deal. She gets to retire in silence. You know, we had a dog, or I had a dog with my ex husband, my first husband. And, um, You know i i promised her after being constantly chased through the house that uh you know she would get some quiet so she is just going to be a little bit of a lout and and get to be awesome and do her job up until she's no longer able to do it anymore but uh she she has my charge but see that's the kind of person that should be adopting an animal because you should want to take care of a living thing that you bring into your life like There's some weird argument if you're a farmer, you're looking at it for food eventually, I can kind of sort of understand not treating them nicely but you know I just I don't understand people who dump off animals at the first like little inconvenience it's really the number one reason I never followed my passion of working in a vet situation at all. Like uh yeah. you know Scrapples started pissing on the floor, let's put them down, like I would just clock somebody, I think, and then I wouldn't have a career anymore, and then probably a restraining order so see just not a, that wouldn't be a good career choice for me, but
0: anyway, T-, take, T Flynn fighting vet
1: <laughs> <laughs> take care of your animals guys they're they're living things that's all I guess I was I struck my own nerve thinking oh. about people who don't want to take care of their pets. <laughs>
0: Well, let's, yeah, this is going to be a kind of a, a, a unique episode, folks, so we're going to try and keep this as uplifting as we can, and you'll understand uh, why, we, why I'm laughing about this right now, but...
1: Oh, I'm not going uh, to try at all, keep it uplifting. I'm like, let's embrace the darkness, Tim.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, Might as well put on some Morrissey at this point, but <laughs> Fearlandia, you want to talk a little bit uh, about Fearlandia again, because we are getting yes. close to haunt season.
1: Yes, yes we do. We are at that point where we are about to close the window for taking any applications for interviews uh, for CAST as far as those with previous experience that would like some sort of such main role or really it's a little bit more of the understudy roles that we're looking for right now. But if you have any performance experience and are interested in doing that, please shoot me an email directly Uh, fearlandiacasting at gmail.com and then I did also want to throw it out there if you wanted to get more involved but I guess, a little bit more in a casual way, or if you don't have any of that prior acting experience or performance experience, the Beneath, which is the haunt that we're working with, um, they also have a volunteer form. So you can go through there and that's a really good way to get your foot in the door with some of the haunt work is applying and being a volunteer. And I will share that website with Tim to put in the show notes. Um, But it is a little bit of a mouthful, but essentially you can find it at thebeneath.com. And then there's a button up at the top that says monsters needed. And if you click that, you put in some basic information. but yeah, uh, definitely don't be afraid to share that you're a new person. Just put what you're interested in doing, and that's where hopefully you can get connected and get your foot in the door for future haunt seasons with places.
0: Yeah, and that's important too. I mean, a lot of people want to get into something like a haunt or like community theater or something like that, but get so scared about doing it that they that they chicken out and don't. When a lot of times you can attest to this, you know, every year you're struggling to get volunteers. Years. So I would say to anybody out there listening, if you are somewhat, you know, I would say, well, I
1: mean, it it can be, but that's more because of complications with cold and flu season, which is why we are trying to expand our book this year and make Uh sure that we have understudies and possibly like people to trade off with. Like it's sad because most of the actors want to do every night, but then when you bank on that, that's where it's like, oh crap. Well, some people, because you know it's cold and flu season. So COVID aside. Yeah, Um, which we will get to that in a minute, because I know we're talking about some announcements that do affect the haunt because it's at our location, Um, you know, COVID aside, you know, this was during the height of flu season anyway. So it would happen that, you know, somebody would get whatever the Portland croup is and then they couldn't talk. Well, there's kind of a problem there if you can't talk. Um, We kind of need you to be able to protect your voice. And it's just one of those things that goes around every year. So, yeah, I I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a struggle. It only is in that sense of if people get sick. But Uh that's why we are trying to reach out to add like a good handful you know to our group and plus you know like i said if you don't have that background experience i I hear it a lot like people saying that they don't know how to get into that world that they kind of wish they knew how and so wanted to share this is kind of how you look for those volunteer opportunities, because let me tell you, from building scenes to working on costume to even getting your foot in the door on doing gore and makeup type things, that's a really great way to start.
0: Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, I would, the, the point I was trying to make was that, yeah, getting your foot in the door is the important thing, because with a creative endeavor like this, you never know when somebody's going to be needed for something. So you may be there to volunteer for one thing. but maybe something else comes along and they really need somebody and that's your chance to do it and shine and show how good you are. That way, come next year, you're going to be one of the first people they think of. They're going to follow up with you and give you more responsibilities and it builds from there. So yeah, if you do want to get involved, it's a perfect opportunity to do it. And obviously with a casting director as cool as The Reverend, can't be that bad, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I try not to be very, you know, fist Uh to to glove or anything like that. Whenever it comes to people, I don't know. It just, it doesn't work. It's not a big enough team where you can try to Lord over any power. It was really funny because there was uh, something that came back to me and I'm not going to go into who it came back from, but somebody expressed an opinion that they felt I was strict and it really like came at a bad time. I had just gotten on set and uh, this was a few years ago. But a few of my friends, because you know, we've worked together for years, right? Mm-hmm. This is like repeating years. And this was the second year I was casting director. And um they looked at me was like, hey, you know, team, it's wrong. And told them, you know, somebody shared that I was strict. And I was like, dude, I work for you and I don't think you're strict. But that being said, like I, I will and I will tell you that you're not coming back if you've crossed a line. Like, don't take not being an asshole for not, you know laying down the law when i have to i don't like to have to do it so like i don't know don't make me don't tell me that you're sleeping up in the rafters in the middle of the show because you're so bored and i'm like how the hell are you bored we have been so busy (laughs) Um, anyway so that, that i'm i try to be cool but don't don't take advantage of me don't cross me yo
0: yeah, don't take a nap, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't tell your boss that you're taking a nap. Like, God, if you pulled it over on them, like, just get away with it and go home. But, like, the, really, somebody told me that once. Like, to my face, I'm like, what? So, I don't know, yeah. maybe I come off too cool and uh that that cost them i don't know they didn't come back i didn't like the,
0: like the, like the mother that wants to be everybody's friend you know
1: um, yeah like i'm more like the mom like the mama hen that will be like really cool with you as long as you're not being a butthead and then i don't have to like peck at you to keep you in line you're fine like, there you like go. i won't if i don't have to <laughs>
0: Well, there is one thing you did want to bring up that not only ties in with uh, Fearlandian Haunt season this year, but kind of ties in with um, a lot of stuff, like uh, any like public gatherings periods. And that is, um, I know in Oregon here, um, and you'll be able to speak to uh, Maine, but starting January eighth, uh, January September, sure, uh, tomorrow, um, movie theaters and also uh, the Oregon Convention Center for the upcoming Rose City Comic Con are going to be required. Requiring either proof of vaccination, whether you f- show your physical card or a picture of it, or proof that you've had um, like a recent uh, like negative test or something like that. So um, is that going to be the same in Maine? I
1: don't know. There hasn't been a lot of mandating yet. Our population density is a bit different. So I think right now we're kind of only getting to the point where it's affecting our ICUs, which is kind of to the point, like it's not all over the news as much here. I I do get the occasional update on my watch about it, but it's Uh more like, you know, hey, yeah, the Delta variant has made it to the area, but you know, we're still in the lower hundreds of people getting it. And then in the tens of anybody like dying from it, I think is the most I've seen it uptick recently. So nothing like that going on so far. Um, it's still generally speaking, you know, that if you're vaccinated and if you're comfortable going about in places, they're not stopping people from doing that. You know, but uh, there's a lot more places that have gone back with to the signs of like, you know, we really do, you know, for the the safety of everybody, we'd like people to go back to wearing masks. But as far as like harsh mandates, I don't believe so. Not yet.
0: Well, it's uh, definitely happened here, and I don't. And, and for me, I don't think you know being able to show proof of immunization is any sort of a hardship at all. But I know some people um, are, are are really are really hurt by this somehow because taking that time to you know get two shots, you know, apparently is a struggle. Uh, I, I, it's just people want this to end, yet they don't want to take the steps to make sure it properly ends. And the way to properly end it is if you are able to do so, get the vaccine, get the vaccine. You know, and then this stuff goes away to where you have to show cards. Now, um, what type of, uh, now you obviously, you mentioned you're going to be back in Portland for Fear- Fearlandia, so you will have to deal with some of this. Are you getting some sort of advanced training about this in terms of like how you could potentially deal with uh, some assholes that may come? A- <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, they've been very clear on their website. There's kind of a if, no ifs, no buts, and no motherfucking coconuts attitude about it. Um, They've said you are either showing a vaccine card. They're very clear because, you know, there's two different testing types. And so if you get the PCR, it can be 72 hours old, whereas the lab-based rapid test must be within 48 hours. So, you know, you can't get it too far in advance if it's that rapid one or it won't count. And they've been extremely clear because, you know, it's under, uh, if you go to the Rose Quarter, there's a welcome back message and there's like little parts that you can click on. And there's a part that says, can I get medical or religious exemption from this policy? Mm. And it point blank says individuals with exemption from the vaccine requirement must show proof of a negative test. And then it lays out the 72 or 48 hours. There are no exemptions, exemptions to the testing requirement like nipped. And, and that's fair. That actually does kind of seem fair. If you have a religious or a medical reason to not get it, then just show that you don't have it within the reasonable amount of time. So your likelihood of transmission, if you did get a breakthrough of it or whatever, is significantly low. So it, it kind of goes back to the people have their feelings hurt or whatever about it. But honestly, being able to attend concerts is not a right. It's not. Uh, So it's a choice that you're making. And if those venues are deciding that they are going to start doing, you know, similar policies like these to keep everybody safe, they have the right to do it. There was a really good article I had read, like talking about employers, like, can your employer actually, do they have the constitutional right was what was being asked um, to require vaccines. And really an expert, like law expert, like looking over it and like, so basically, yeah, they do have the right places do have the right to require vaccines at their employment. And it is not like you have a right to work, but you don't have a right to work at that place is kind of the interesting argument that was made there. But it's a, I'm not against it. I understand they have a lot of big events that come through there and basketball really got hurt last year. And then furthering this, you know, making it more personal to Portland. Right. Uh I had talked about I think it was around this time last year that that little news series came out of is Portland over. And I talked about that guy that works for the city, that that is his job is to bring events here. He needs to bring basketball games here to the Moda Center, which is where that happens, and concerts to the Moda Center, which is where that happens. You see the trend there. So they really need to sell the Moda Center being safe. Above all else, and it's not gonna kill basketball, right? Because if there's a breakout at the Moda Center that affects the NFL, oh my gosh <laughs> say goodbye to having or say the uh, not the nfl that's the um, yeah,
0: sports ball yeah <laughs> nba
1: nbh nbha ymca anyway the nba it's no secret guys i'm not super into sports i'm more into that i get why they're doing this Is yeah. because they do host these big things big events i mean Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it affects things, but it's also been very clear that they will be requiring masks from patrons. And I'm curious to see how that goes um, as far as if that's going to have any effect on numbers. But for us, it would be kind of hard to tell anyway because it's an entirely different situation like you can't compare it to last year or the year before so it might turn out to be fine I honestly hope that you know if you have to wear a mask get creative and build it into your costume you know somehow what Uh a great year to be G.I. Joe Cobra Commander just throwing that (laughs) one out there or the Mandalorian really cool helmet ideas anything from Star Wars really Yep. So, I don't know. I I'm just kind of glad that it seems like people are trying really hard to keep big event venues like this being safe, that they are, you know, trying to work with people who understand how to keep a place, you know, clean and be able to move forward because there are places that are successfully able to keep doing big events so we can learn from them and try to emulate those same policies and then hopefully still get to kind of have cake and eat too for the low, low price of either getting the shot or being willing to go show that stupid swab up your nose. I seriously, I lined up for the vaccine because I wanted to avoid that test, by the way, just so I don't, I think it looks miserable, but yeah. you know, you, you go get the swab up your nose and then you can prove that you don't have it. You know, you might not be wanting to go to as many concerts this year because <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that more than a few times, but I will see. I, I could even see them if they required that for people like me, like, nope, now it's just, everybody's got to show us a negative test. Like. I doubt that would happen just because could you imagine all the testing sites would just be overflowed with people? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But I would still weigh that in. You know what I mean? If somebody has a private event and they want to require that regardless of vaccine status, that's going to be something that factors for me because there's not a lot of things I'm going to want to put that thing up my nose for Just, just throwing that out there. Very honestly, I'd rather stay home and just like watch Netflix
0: yeah yeah i mean good yeah i mean I, as much as i would love to you know see like wrestling again live or something like that being in like a big venue like the modus center with a bunch of people with chin diapers and worrying worried about you know if if the, you know they're actually taking things seriously or not um yeah the really big events are what concerns me um i do have some just general fears about rose city comic-con uh this weekend even though i i it's it's just general like back it's not like a really concrete you know there's a specific reason why it's there but just because it's at the convention center uh with so many people potentially there i mean even if it's half the crowd of what um you know i experienced there before that's still a lot of people that are going to be milling about so um yeah we'll we'll see how that goes
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, they do have a checkpoint, so that it's going to be enforced. That's Uh the whole deal. It's no longer the honor system. They can't afford that. It goes back to, again, we've got major sports events happening through here and major concert events. They need to take it seriously. They don't have a choice. On a business level, it makes more sense probably to lose business for those that are just so against being vaccinated or being tested for it or think that COVID is a hoax. They don't have the the budget to lose another season. They just yeah. don't have it. And then the city of Portland like really is kind of hurting in general right now from things that started before the pandemic. Well, actually it was all in correlation because I keep forgetting George Floyd happened like right after. Because it was so close together, my brain sometimes flip-flops them to think that happened before. But uh, no, that that all was spinning up to a weird powder keg leading up to that anyway, because there were already issues with homeless camps that were being talked about. And then everything just kind of came down. So I don't know. I really hope that this doesn't deter too many people from wanting to go out and do things or wanting to get involved as an actor or staff in any of these events. It's going to be a good season um comic-con will be great the the good news is is the modus center i kind of trust that they have enough vested interest in not getting shut down that they are going to probably do everything they can with security and checkpoints and watching people in general yeah make sure it is safe and that there's not going to be you know just a, a ground zero for an outbreak you know i i honestly trust them enough and Not even necessarily because they're doing it for the goodness of humanity, which they very well could be. I'm just saying I've got that second weird safety net of trust that it honestly makes more sense financially for them to not get shut down. So they're going to be as safe as they can be um, because that's as far as like, wow, I don't think I have to do any extra training because I'm pretty sure they're going to take care of that. You know what I mean? Like, they are going to have security people, I'm sure at Comic-Con as well that if that mask drops below their nose, they're going to be correcting them. It's it's too high stakes for them, I think, to risk anything about it.
0: Yeah, just it's yeah, I mean the the conventions especially, I mean, they don't necessarily b- b- they're not necessarily the most profitable things in the world, I guess. So you know, the the, the fact, like last year, the fact that a lot of conventions, um, you know, went virtual. Uh, things like con- the San Diego Comic Con last year was completely virtual, and didn't have many people watch it and you know they ended up losing a lot of money uh, like that so yeah i don't want stuff like this to end i mean d- 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 an end is a tough word i guess because like if rose city were to end the company that runs it you know somewhere down the line another company would start another comic con i get that but I don't want these people to end because uh, you know, you can attest the Rose city comic-con is well run. It's, it's a great atmosphere. It, it's, it's just all around a great, nice, creative, fun time for all.
1: Exactly. I love it. I actually, in honor of, cause I knew we were talking about it today. I got my partner, the Mr. Reverend, I got his Punisher class because one of our first, some of our first dates for hiking but one of the first like things we did together was he went to comic-con with me and he got this punisher awesome etched punisher glass so (laughs) i'm drinking from it today um yeah by the way do you know if the double tree over there is part of that rose quarter area
0: uh the hotel that they built uh, across the street from the convention center uh
1: from yeah like the lloyd center mall and stuff like that because they have a lot of conventions there i i only asked. oh yeah yeah it looks like they're going to try to have the haunters convention in May, so fingers crossed. But yeah, if they require masks and such. Still, I'm gonna uh, just be trying to figure out how to work it into my boss costume and just have fun with it. But yeah. anywho, let's. I, I I support these moves. I'm cool with them. Yeah,
0: one <laughs> move they I don't
1: require me to get a nose
0: hose. Yeah, great segue there. One move I don't approve of is what is happening in Texas. Yikes. Yeah. Yes. The wonderful folks in Texas and by, by <clears throat> wonderful folks, I mean, the Republican politicians there um, have enacted a law that that outlaws abortions after six weeks. And if you do uh, help a woman get an abortion after six weeks, not only would people, if you found out a neighbor went and got an abortion after six weeks, you could theoretically sue them for money or something like that as well, which is like a bounty system or something like that. Um, This issue went to the Supreme Court on their shadow docket where they promptly, uh, thanks to the conservative majority, promptly turned their noses at it, thereby letting it stand. Abortion is essentially illegal in Texas. The dark times that we warned everybody about in 2016 are here.
1: Yeah, it's super unfortunate. Um, As much as I try not to hate on Texas as bad as I used to, I do admit that I left for a reason. I have always and I, I try not to speak in absolutes about a lot of shit but i'm just going back and saying that when i lived there i don't remember many times that i didn't kind of feel uh this odd form of oppression like as a woman you know as a vaginaed human because they wouldn't even know like what's a non-binary <laughs> um, <laughs> you know how they are there um yeah. You know, in a a lot of it, and I'm not saying there's not progressive towns and cities. I am just saying there are larger swaths of Texas that feel the way they feel, which is why it kind of can become a place where things like this can happen. Um, I did want to share at least a little bit of a feel good tacked on to this, because part of one of the interesting things about this is technically that means that Lyft and Uber drivers could be charged with aiding and abetting. So as a response to that, Lyft and Uber have already announced that they will intend to cover legal fees of any drivers who are sued under the Texas anti-abortion law. So it, it's crazy that it's happened. There is some interesting response to this. And my God, like, what are your other thoughts about it? Because I will just go into this is why we need to vote. Please pay attention yeah. to voting. and do, Like, come on, Texas is big. Let's get some listeners in Texas.
0: I'm glad you kind of touched upon this because what I've seen a lot on uh, social media in terms of the response on this is a lot of negativity towards the South as a whole. And I did a little search on this. And according to the census, I believe in 2018, 58% of the Southern population was African Americans. If you are telling, you know, if you are saying if if you are seeing this in the news for Texas or any place in the South and your first reaction is fuck them, they deserve it. You are very much wrong and you are very much a part of the systemic race racism problem that is contributing to this because these actions, uh, these abortion actions are meant to keep poor people poor and enslaved you know this is not about this is not about saving babies it's not because if that were the case the right to life organization would not only be against abortion they would be vocally and supporting not with their words and money organizations that would help a woman maybe not have to consider it per se you know what i mean um but this is just this because Let's be honest here. I mean, how many times have we heard stories throughout the years of Republican politicians that have harangued in the media about being against abortion? And then you find out they got their mistress in abortion right you know.
1: like isn't that kind of back to the the accusations can be the confessions of a narcissistic attitude like the yeah, yeah but me is basically yeah but me but but my situation warranted it yeah um, But anyway yeah it's it's uh, uh wow it's just it's a bummer to see it go backwards in time back there
0: it is but there but wasn't yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, sorry i just i did want to also align with the whole idea of like there one of my unpopular opinions is i don't really understand when i hear the word reverse racism because to me it is racist no matter what direction it's going towards no matter what race it's going to no matter what demographic you're choosing to be bigoted about that is just being bigoted and hateful so yeah. it doesn't really make sense to you know hear bigot and hatred and like find an excuse to spit it back out at other people. Even those of us who are from the South, because yeah, let me tell you, there's actually a lot of really good humans there. And I know we have Dolly Parton. I'm from there. Hey, I know I left the professors from there. Um, But yeah. And you have to keep in mind too, that it's one of those things I've shared too, is people are really going to believe based on what information they are presented in the order they were presented it in. And when a lot of channels that tend to be on in a specific area lean towards certain ways, that's how those things start. You know, I make the joke that they call it programming for a reason. And if that's, what has been playing in the background since they were kids, like, yeah, not many people challenge that kind of stuff. So I don't know, maybe don't hate on a demographic of, um, just being from there, there's a lot of things I did learn to challenge, but a lot of that came from moving and meeting people and understanding that there is a variety of humans out there. And I would like to get to know them. And it took meeting more people to, to get that. And not everybody gets that privilege point of getting to leave their tiny town you know don't don't say it's just as easy as because those just statements just imho come from a place of privilege and that's where that's where my place of privilege is i was able to leave my tiny town in texas and challenge some very shitty views i used to have like straight up admit it i i got out of there and then i questioned it
0: yeah and and yeah, just the thing when it comes, I, I don't want to see people make this mistake because, you know, we can't. This is we we. This is a big country, and this is. Texas is a part of America. I, I want Texas to succeed. You know, even though they got s- some jackass politicians there, like Ted Cruz of all people, telling people to get a job because the unemployment uh, benefits have stopped because of that. You know, while that while that bastard is going down to Cancun uh, to escape weather, it's it's we cannot in in states that don't have to deal with this. Forget the average citizen that lives there because, you know, again, like I said, the 50, you know, 58% of the African-American population lives in the South. Um, and look at all the voting restrictions uh, that are going on there. The people that really need this don't really have that power to change it. And the only way it's going to change is if people in safe places like Portland, Oregon, Portland, Maine, go out of their way to support, you know, whether it, whether it be through a simple retweet, whether it be through um you know money whether it be supporting a cause something to help these people out because they're going to need it because the situation we're looking at right now is somewhere down the line we're going to see a 12 year old black girl in chains because she tried to get an abortion because a family member raped her that's what we're looking at yeah i mean i mean it's, that, it's, that
1: it's sad it's sad, sad 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 things um and even putting it together with you know other situations and realities of this world that you know you become aware to when you're addicted to watching like documentaries and shit yeah but you know texas is one of those states that allows for child brides and a lot of that comes from when a usually girl gets impregnated by an older man That's kind of one of those ways that is popular to get out of getting in trouble for a little thing they call statutory rape. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of a weird double whammy to realize that first off, that's still totally a thing. And that's something that did almost um, affect my life. Uh, Speaking of the fact that I'm totally writing a book about some of the things I've been through being a kid who was raised in Texas. But, uh, you know, knowing that that never went away. And now we're kind of going back in time on some of this abortion situation that, I mean, unfortunately, if they're sneaking out to get an abortion at that age anyway, it's it's really sad. But it was kind of one of those ways to where at least it wasn't locking a kid into being married to an adult.
0: Yeah, I mean... There was an article I did read from The Atlantic. It was an opinion piece. Um, I believe it was written by David Frum, who um, was a member of the Bush administration, so a Republican. And um, he came out with an interesting con- idea about this on how to look at this. His argument is that basically the Republicans have, this is their end game. And there, there, there is, you know, they can't go too much worse on this issue than they already have. There is, this is, this is very much similar, in his opinion, and I kind of agree with it, to in the early part of the 20th century, prohibition. You know, and once once alcohol was it was made illegal around the entire country, it didn't make it go away, did it? It made it made it to where people wanted it more and made it to where, you know, the, you know, the mafia was able to get a big foothold in, in this country because of that. And because of that. After about 10 years, prohibition went away, and they did a thing basically because of that, th- they were able to legalize it nationally while making sure that each local area were able to have some appropriate restrictions that were appropriate for them. You know, so like it, maybe if there is an area that didn't mind kids drinking at 18, maybe it's at 18 for them, but maybe another place is 21. That's the example. But he is arguing that we could potentially be looking at that because if you think about it history has shown that for every deep dark pit you, uh, uh, any country faces things do tend to get better you know it comes in waves so so
1: except for rome right there's just that one
0: uh, well but, but countries come to an end <laughs> countries come to funny. an end you know. i
1: just had to bust on you a little bit there was yeah. just one really famous one i just wanted to mm. throw it out there
0: but they lasted for a while and even then they went through ways, but you know, they hit the the wall at the end there. But what do you think about that? Do you think that this is their end game? Do you think that this is the worst we're going to see it? And because of this, we could maybe get to a point to where we can make it to where it's, it's totally, totally legal for everybody. What do you think?
1: I don't know. I mean, we'll really have to see, because right now I want to find it Um, at one point. Again, I had skimmed through an article talking about how, you know, this puts yet another thing on the block for Biden. And now it's kind of getting to this point where it's like overwhelming any of the promises he can try to keep, like as his presidency continues. And the reason that that is interesting is it made my little tinfoil hat go on. Like, see, are they just doing shit right now to flood him? So that he just can't get, you know what I mean? Like, no matter what he does, there's something that's going to get dropped. And there's something that's going to leave that stank with his demographic as he leaves the presidency, because they don't want people who voted for him to vote for him again. So it's like I try to think of the weird puzzle pieces, because unfortunately, that's what our politics has become. And that's a big reason why I'm not so much fan of it. Um, is what's their long game? And I do kind of wonder if that's maybe part of that. Uh, but it goes up there with legalizing weed, which is another conversation I know you wanted to have at some point. Um, uh-huh. At what point do we just stop? Because that's another thing that really seems to be another just way of discriminating economically against people. Yeah. <coughs> uh, and- I won't go too much into that because I know you and I have had some side conversation and that's why we went, "Mm, we need to talk about this at some point. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, like it's one of those things that it's like, why is this different federally at this point? Like this does seem to be enough of a fucking topic as far as do people, should people have a right to do this, that it's amazing that it hasn't been decided one way or the other.
0: Yeah, it's what is it going to take, though, because, you know, my my real fear is that, yeah, come next year with the midterm elections, Republicans are able to get control of either the House and the Senate again. And if they do, uh, you know, that's just going to make 2024 even that much messier because, you know, Democrats are barely able to get their stuff uh, through right now. And the important thing for the Democrats to keep the trust of the people is to show that they're actually doing stuff and the republicans are going out of their way to say no to everything i mean if if the democrats recommended um a law that people needed to breathe oxygen in order to live republicans would be it would be you know promoting carbon dioxide at this point i mean it, it's and i'm being i may be a little facetious there but not really and that's that's the sad part and 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 hopefully hopefully some good comes through all of this but Those poor women in Texas, those poor women in Texas that got to go through, especially all those young girls that are going to have to deal with the repercussions of this that's going to be the absolute tragedy here that's going to be i mean think think about to your point the abusive marriages that are going to be had because of this think about the children that will have to have years of therapy from being in uh, unloving relationships just just so much is is just going going to go wrong with this that you know p- again people like us in safe states we cannot dismiss them. We cannot dismiss the South. The South needs us. And yeah. if 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 we are going to turn some heads, we need to show that we care about them and that we fight for them. You know, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean if they do something stupid, we don't call them out, but we gotta support them.
1: Yeah, like before you fully embrace your fuck them attitude, do understand that there are a lot of people out there that like legit get paid. To help, in a sense, market and keep things that way for people. So, really, that's where I find like some of that compassion. That's where I used to have a really hard fuck Texas attitude. Um, you know, if you don't like it, you should just leave. And granted, that's still in a way is how I feel like, you know, if they run out of people to be in control of, they're going to have to change things eventually. But, but that's you know, not, not realistic,
0: you know. that's, that's Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's not realistic because you'd have to be able to parse jobs. And I think that's what really terrifies people um, that would be terrified about some such things about the idea of being able to work more remotely. You know, that's another interesting side topic to this is, <laughs> If you can work from anywhere, well, then you could just, there's that just statement, just go and live somewhere else because yeah. you wouldn't have to like look for a new job. So it's not that easy for some people. That's where I've kind of looked out in a way, but it's, yeah, don't, don't super necessarily embrace a fuck attitude because I don't know. It kind of gives permission for somebody to embrace that same attitude about you too. And I just don't like that karma on my life. Call me crazy. <laughs>
0: And what was that? Um, what was that line of you know? They went for the gays and I did nothing. They went for the Jews and I did nothing. And then they came for me and nobody was there to stand up for me. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm badly paraphrasing it, but uh, that that was a quote, I guess, in regards to uh, somebody, you know, defending the Jews during World War II or something like that. And, and we got we to gotta keep that mindset now because, you know, when, <laughs> as a vaginaed person, you know the importance of uh, women, women's health care and having proper access to that, especially at the youngest age possible.
1: Yes. And there's numbers of ways you can try to support just women's health in general, because that's Mm -hmm. really what this seems like. It's mostly an attack on. I mean, in addition to if you live there and if you are a person who has that ability to vote that, you know, you don't face any of the troubles or restrictions, vote, show it that way. If you're not able to vote, I really hope you're able to protest and get your voice out because that's some of the point of that is when, you know, it's that voice of uh i don't want to say i don't want to say like the rioting or condone rioting but it was like wasn't it martin luther that had that that uh quote about rioting is the uh language of the oppressed or those who are angered by being oppressed or something like that i'll try to find that actual quote but there is something that was very 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 close to that because it was being quoted a lot when the riots started in portland oregon just over a year ago um but yeah so Find ways to get the message out there that this is an important topic and maybe it is something that we need to figure out how to get it tackled on a federal level. So perhaps you could look out there and see if there's any nonprofits that we can start supporting and some such things like that, because that is some of the things you can do. If we all kind of can support things in our areas of like expertise, I guess, you know what I mean? Not everybody is a, you know, make a a sign and go and protest, unfortunately. You know, I I am that kind of person. I did it back in like 2016 and everything. Um, But I understand that's not everybody's thing. Like sometimes that makes some people like so anxious. They'd rather just die than go to anything like that. But, you know, feel strongly about it, but find a way that you can contribute because there's a lot of ways to get stuff heard. Some of it is through awareness and some of it is actually through donating.
0: Yeah. And I believe I'm trying to look for it right now. I believe on October 9th, there is going to be another national women's March. Um, I I, I will double check that date. And if I am, regardless of whether I'm right or wrong, I will have the updated information in the show discussion here, but there will be another nationwide March because of this. Um, But find out where you can contribute because, you know, you mentioned it yourself. Not everybody is going to be able to contribute in the make signs and protest type of way. You can contribute by just doing something like as simple as a, a retweet of of a knowledgeable person talking about the subject, because maybe that's what, you know, ultimately convinces somebody else to support the cause too. But um, anyway, let's move on here to something a little more fun for me, at least, but I call this the bathroom break subject. For you, <laughs> I wanted to have a little positivity before we get into uh, the next. <laughs> before we get into the next topic here, um, this past Sunday. All Elite Wrestling had their pay-per-view called All Out, and it was by far probably one of the most historic uh, pay-per-views that I have ever seen for a couple of reasons. One, um, CM Punk made his long-awaited return to professional wrestling after seven years, and that was really cool to see. But most importantly, at the end of the show, Two stars debuted for all elite wrestling Adam Cole and Brian Danielson. Um, for the folks at home that are not wrestling fans, Adam Cole used to work for the WWE on their NXT roster. Um, the last time he was in front of a big crowd was at NXT TakeOver Portland, uh, that I was in the crowd for, so it was cool to see him. Uh, but the most shocking debut, um, was Brian Danielson at the end. Um, Brian Danielson, um, worked in the WWE for a little over a decade under the name of Daniel Bryan. And, um, he, uh, was able to, um, this is it was big for him to go because he was a former world champion he was just in the WWE this year and performed at WrestleMania in a championship match so for a star of that magnitude to show up on AEW is is pretty a pretty big deal and um it's funny because uh, I found out the reason why they ended up going to AEW and it seems like the dumbest reason. Um, For Adam Cole, it turns out he went because he wanted to continue to use his Twitch page, which the WWE told him not to. And I guess he's able to get some money off of his Twitch page. So because the WWE would not let him keep his Twitch page, they gave a main event star to their competitor. And with uh, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan in the WWE, his contract came up earlier this year and he asked, you know, he wanted to remain a part of the D- WWE, but he also wanted to wrestle in Japan and the WWE said, we can't do that. So again, the WWE gave their competition a major star. So that was some big news. And I did want to talk about some great positive news in, in the world of professional. Professional wrestling because we do got to talk about something that was really, really sad uh, that happened as well. Um, last week, former WCW star uh, Daphne uh, Unger, her real name is Shannon Spruill. Um, she lived in Georgia. Um, last week, she went on Instagram. Um, inst- they have a thing on Instagram called Instagram Live where you can have like a live video. And on that video, yeah. she was crying talking about being alone and she showed a gun in the video. and people rightly started freaking out. Um, you had rustlers all over Twitter that were you know saying, please retweet this. we're trying to get her help. We don't know what's going on. And you know when I went to bed that night, I had heard that the police had indeed showed up at her home, woke up the next morning to find out that she had died. Um, word is that she ended up shooting herself in the chest, um, in, in, in the video, uh, she made a point of the, one of the last things she said was, remember, my brain goes to Boston now you're like what does that mean the major um nonprofit that does uh, cte research um you know similar to what like uh nfl players have uh the only way they can diagnose that is after a person is dead and the reason she shot her she's not the first person who potentially um you know suffered from cte that shot that shot themselves in the chest in order to um get their brain uh examined and i just find it sad you know it's like she was an interesting character. I don't, like she came at a time where women's wrestling was more about just the appearance, you know, more than anything. That's when they were doing the pillow fights and the brawn panties matches, you know, real, real classy stuff here. A little um, bit like
1: Glow, I guess, if you, if anybody out there watched
0: Glow, not quite no, that. Oh no, it much, much like Glow, if glow was (laughs) x-rated you know let's Uh, put it that way but um yeah yeah the thing that stuck out with her was that um she honestly was channeling harley quinn before it was cool to channel harley quinn um, you know, her her she, they called her the Scream Queen. She um would come out like a goth, she looked like a goth and would come out and scream. The match I saw her on, because I saw her live on May 22nd Um, that was when uh, Monday Nitro did a, did a did an episode uh at the Van Andel Arena, and I was in the uh crowd for that, and it was fun. Uh, it, it was like a lot of the articles actually showed the match that i saw live and that was a match that she had where she won the cruiserweight championship um and the, and the match just started with her doing like rochambeau like rock paper scissors and other silly things she came out to the ring with like a teddy bear and was hitting it and all that and the the company she worked for at the time wcw I say this as a wrestling fan. It was the most embarrassing time to be a wrestling fan. You know, th- there was a lot of garbage that was happening on WCW's programming at the time, but she was not it. She was actually one of the bright spots. It's just, she what just came around a little too soon. By the time women's wrestling started becoming popular, she had uh, ultimately retired at that point. So ultimately it was sad to see her go, but just, it's unfortunate when anybody finds themselves in a situation to where they they consider ending it. You know, I, I've been there. I've talked about it on the show.
1: Yep, I've been there too. I've talked about it on the show. I talk about it quite openly on my page, um, where I try to process quotes and almost sort of blog through some of my thought processes. Uh, that's that there is life after. Out- there is life after trauma. Way to fuck up my own page name, but you know, that's something we can mention in our show notes if we want to, but yeah, it's uh it's double. I mean, it's always sad. I don't want to necessarily say it's double sad just because of the timing of it, but it does seem kind of extra gutting when you realize this happened just on the cusp of what is uh suicide awareness month because that's September. Um, That is why, you know, traditionally for August for my birthday, and I'll probably share this just because if that's a way that, you know, speaking of ways to support something that you feel about donating to nonprofits are part of it. So that's something I do through my Facebook, you know, you can do the start a charity thing for your birthday. And every year I try to do, you know, project semicolon. And this year I did happen to pick the national suicide prevention lifeline. Um, So that's one way that you can support that. Uh, Yeah. And then very, very unfortunately, I have a close friend of mine who is dealing with they just lost somebody to suicide um through their work and it's been you know i'll leave it as vague as that because i don't want anybody going to find you know this this place and try to reach out or anything the phone number is (laughs) no it's very impacting you know what i mean like that person is gone from a lot of lives very abruptly um it's easy to get angry but i think one of the best things just while we're on this topic you know to think about it is it is the final stage of an invisible illness To me, it's, I'm not, you know, I've also lost somebody to suicide too. And that was something that I was upset for a while. I was mad. I had my turn at being mad at somebody, you know, for quote, being so selfish. And then you realize, well, but I wouldn't be mad at somebody for succumbing to cancer. You know, because they either didn't know that they had it, like that's what happens sometimes, and then they can be abruptly gone, or they knew they had it and could not, or did not, or however it goes, get any treatment for it. Because that's the unfortunate and startling truth when it comes to depression and suicide, and, you know, especially major depressive disorder Mm -hmm. and things like that, where you can be at a higher risk for that. I know that's a lot of what I struggled with my anxiety and everything. and CPTSD not as much anymore, possibly because I'm more open talking about it, but you know, that doesn't work for everybody. That's my, it works for me, it seems, to just embrace and, and be okay being talking about that and moving past it. But yeah, uh, it touches a lot of lives. So let's work on putting efforts out there to maybe keep the conversation going on, how we can maybe make this happen a little less often. Like on the big scale, like this amazingly talented human who did wrestling to the small scale, like the awesome human that worked with my best friend and, you know, made a lot of people's days good. It definitely turned like sounded like they were not a jerk. Uh, It sounded like they are very much loved and missed. So it's, it's big scale and small scale, but I think it's a fair thing to get involved in to figure out, you know, what can we do? How can we be supportive?
0: And to your point, too, I think it is important to talk about it. I remember how gutted I was back in 94 when I heard the news about Kurt Cobain. And how, in an odd way, the most healing part of that was like the next day in Seattle, they had the, they a bunch of people came as like a, a memorial vigil, and Courtney Love, um, like they had speakers set up and she called in Red Kurtz's uh, suicide note to the crowd, um, the stuff that she was appro- that she felt was appropriate, and also just commented on that, and oddly, that helped me you know just because I remember crying that day and that was a hard hard thing to get through just thinking like you know like here's a guy that is like made it huge how many bands make it as big as they did I mean he Nirvana made it Beatles big you know and that that is really hard to do and and yet that wasn't enough yet he wasn't happy. And, and it's like, yeah. And, and, and also too, a lot of times, like I, you know, the times when I've been extremely depressed and I've considered it have been times where I haven't talked as much. So, you know, keeping that conversation going ab- and about mental health, about, you know, having it be okay to tell people I'm not doing good. I feel shitty. Yeah and you know just even saying something like, like 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 for me for instance this past weekend with Sherman passing I didn't realize how how hard it would hit me and like on Sunday I spent all day in bed no noise no nothing just lying there doing nothing and it horrible feeling and it's 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 tough you it's, it's easy, I guess it's easy to say, well, why, why didn't they just tell somebody? Just Yeah. Sorry. See, yeah. that's
1: like, this is this weird theory that I'm crafting that there's something to just statements in general, yeah. but see, and I've been that person that why I was almost that. Why didn't they just reach out to somebody like nobody knew how close they were to Saying those things about me because it's not just as easy, especially in a culture where where it's not encouraged still, you know, there's still a lot of people who feel like you talk about trauma because you want attention when really a lot of times it's about just wanting to feel heard and to heal. Because yeah. if you don't talk about it and just, you know, I don't know, the proof is in the pudding, it seems, of generations of humans not talking about it and stuffing it down. Well, it doesn't seem to stop it. So can we, like, maybe try something else now? Um, because- that would be cool.
0: Yeah because talking about it you're going to find this weird little thing that the more you talk about it you're going to find out other people are going through it too and when you find that out that allows you to talk to that person that allows you to help them heal that allows you to heal in your own way as well you know so yeah. I, I think the big summary here is you know support in any way you can um if you have a friend that you think is down i guess don't necessarily try and offer advice necessarily just be a friendly ear um you know just don't necessarily try and force yourself into their life on a daily basis if they don't necessarily want that but let them know they're loved more than anything else um also if you are considering those thoughts and and need to talk to somebody um 1-800-273-8255 that's 1-800-273-TALK is the national suicide prevention hotline um You know, I've been down that road before, and um, I don't think I've said this story on the show before, too. But when I was in middle school, my dad attempted suicide. And yeah, he uh, when he did that, he ended up calling us, which imagine getting that call you know yeah and just like he just did the whole thing of wanting to say goodbye and i'm like a teenager how does a teenager respond to that and um you know he obviously he ended up getting help and whatnot but just people suffer you you know and just with all the pain and suffering we see in the world today all the pain and suffering we've talked about on this episode (laughs) you know just be kind to people and just be friends with them. And if you think someone is suffering, you know, just show them love.
1: Yeah. And it goes back to, it's not about giving advice. It's cool. If you don't know what to tell them to do, because half the time that's not really what's wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, You can go and look up pretty much psychology today has a lot of stuff that talks about, you know, how you can be there for friends who are grieving. Yeah. But, uh, and a lot of it really is just listening and making sure that you know they feel heard, and a lot of that feeling heard comes from not feeling like you know somebody's calculating what they've been wanting to say. Yeah, uh, and that's where just having that pause and that time for somebody is really awesome. So be hopefully you can be good about being there for your friends it's sad whenever i just kind of feel like people don't have the patience for that for each other anymore but those are the friends that i don't tend to keep around anyway so but somebody keeps friends with them um but yeah i i kind of that's one of my weird uh prices of admission for my friendship my platonic relationships Is that, you know, we got to be able to have that honest conversation. like, hey, I just need somebody to listen to me. And I I love that about my bestie. Actually, she and I do have that relationship and she will straight tell me, you know, T, I don't want you to give me advice right now. I just (laughs) want you to listen and I will be on it. I'm like, yes, because she knows I'm a troubleshooter. And that my my biggest love is trying to help you not be struggling with something anymore. So uh, there, there's that. Like there's a lot of people that get in a bad mood that when they get told like, hey, I don't want advice right now. But I don't know. To me, it just seems nice. Um, understand your heart is there to want to help somebody, but also understand that sometimes that's not what somebody needs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on to another joyful topic here. <laughs> um, if you are listening to this the day the show drops, it is Saturday, September 11th, and that is the 20th anniversary of one of the most horrific things I have I ever hoped to see again. Um yeah, so we'll 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 enter into this topic by talking about the documentary uh, that you saw. Um, Was this the one on HBO? I know there are a lot of them out there right now. Um, So uh, which one did you see?
1: So actually this is Turning Point 9-11 and the War on Terror. It is a Netflix original docu-series and it just released on September 1st of 2021 it's just one season, five episodes. They're each like about an hour-ish each. So about five hours. It's it's a decent little binge. It's nice because you won't spend an entire weekend on it unless you just really parse it out. So if you're looking for something cool, you guys, I, I keep it no secret that I tend to watch these interesting documentaries because, I don't know, call me crazy. I like to understand more about stuff. And I like people who managed to, you know, make it entertaining and keep me interested enough. And documentaries aren't like the old dry history channel documentaries like they used to be, you know, there's Mm -hmm. more footage of things now. So you can really kind of see things. um, And I learned stuff that I didn't know necessarily, but basically It described itself as a cohesive chronicle of the September 11, 2001 attacks on the United States, offering illuminating perspectives and personal stories of how the catastrophic events of that day changed the course of the nation. From the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan in 1979 to the country's breathtaking collapse back into the hands of the Taliban just weeks before the 20th anniversary of the attacks, history continues to be made. And that's honestly a really good summary of it. Um, It covers the material really well, but it does not pull punches. So this will be a little bit of that trigger warning before I just say, you should totally watch this. Um, I found it very heart-wrenching. You'll hear audio from the flights before they crashed, uh, including some of the personal voicemails of some of the passengers that they were able to make calls to the landlines, you know, Uh and interviews from some of the survivors with a lot of images um, that I know many of us would probably like to forget, uh, namely like the people jumping from the buildings. So I did want to give at least some of a trigger warning for this, that that is stuff that you will see if you watch it. Uh, I do have that mentality that just because something is gut-wrenching doesn't mean it should be avoided um i think they did a great job of covering it uh what is an extremely complex history with afghanistan in an effort to spread understanding of how the fuck did we get to today's situation with the taliban and afghanistan as a whole so it's complicated it goes back a long way it turns out like a lot of people think it really started um you know in that that early september morning but those was years before oh that. Yeah. yeah like this 20 year war has really honestly been going on for longer than that it seems uh, there, there's interesting background that is uh it was it was cool to learn it gave me some some interesting perspective but i'm not going to try to reword it If you're interested in watching it, go check it out. It's on Netflix. Um, And that's kind of a good way, you know, give it a little bit of watch. That's another way to kind of vote with your, your body and vote with your time is they kind of track what you're watching on your Netflix account. And so if you like content that is factual, watch it from time to time.
0: Yes. Now, where were you on September 11th, 2001?
1: So September 11th, 2001 would have been the beginning of my junior year in high school because I graduated in 03. So that would have been September kind of football season spinning up. So it was really kind of sad and funny. Um, because I was a band kid and the band kids would be outside practicing in the field during all the first period. We usually met early, especially, you know, some of us came earlier because like me, I did, um, like a uh, flag core and, and jazz dancing and shit like that. So I was way out there early in the morning. So the news broke, I think sometime during first period because nobody bothered to come out to get us. So we came back into the high school and it was just really eerie. Um, you know what I mean? Like it just, the, the air felt like the life was just not in it. Nobody was moving in the halls was really probably the most, even though we normally did come in a little bit early and it would be quiet. It was just eerie quiet. And uh, we wound up just kind of going to our second period rooms because they told everybody just to stay put for the day. Like, this is bigger than we're not doing class with this going on. Yeah. And so as band kids, the way that I recall it, it's been a long time and I didn't like take a diary back then. But uh, the way I remembered was they just decided to pile us into whoever our second period class was. Because most of them, we had those TVs from like Channel One or whatever the fuck it was called. (laughs) I remember that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I don't know if they still do that. But, you know, that little TV talking head thing. Like you get introduced to this concept of a talking head, I guess. But uh, anyway, it's your peers. (laughs) But um, we had these TVs. And in the room that I was in, I think it was English. Like, gosh, I kind of wish I was a journaling person so that I would like have this or something. But I think it was English class that I wound up being in, and it was really funny because we had two TVs in there because at first they were flipping back and forth because you could either see the visual on the channel that was the Spanish local news, or you could hear but not see um, the English speaking one. And this is Texas, so of course none of us spoke Spanish. So they wound up trying to rig it where they had both TVs going at the same time. But it was just, it was like awkward for a while. And I know eventually we kind of started moving through our day, like sort of, but it was basically just, it turned into hopping room to room and, um, just kind of watching on different TV setups, what was going on. Uh, Okay. So I was, I was in high school. I was kid. in high school.
0: Okay. And you walked away and the sound dipped down. So I don't think the mic is on on the headphones. I think you're going off the mic on your computer.
1: Oh, my bad. So okay. I can, my cat was okay. Sorry, guys. Spoiler alert. <laughs> breaking that wall. My stupid freaking cat was eating a thing that she doesn't need to eat. So I needed to get it. But yeah, maybe I should also check that. Yeah. But uh, essentially, I was in high school. You know, we just kind of went back and forth. Uh, once they did decide to move us through, like, okay, well, it would be like fourth period now. So go ahead and go to your fourth period class. Um, and that was kind of, you know, just going from room to room, watching it on different TVs. That's the wave tops of what I remember. I do remember seeing, I'm pretty sure I saw the second plane but it's hard to tell because it was a long time ago. And at that point, there was definitely points in the day where it was on repeat. So that's where it's interesting. One of those ways that your memory can be messed with. like, oh, you couldn't have possibly seen it because you would have been on the field. I'm like, well, okay. Well, it was on repeat a lot during the day. Um, And I just remember watching it a few different times. And then of course seeing. You know, I I do remember putting together that people were jumping out of the top of the building as a kid, which is when the teacher was like, oh God, and like tried to like change the channel for a second. But at the same time, how do you change the channel?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, for me, I remember that day vividly. I woke up at 1128 that morning. I remember it specifically. And and that's classic me, you know, waking up after the most historic thing in the world (laughs) happened. So the TV was on in my bedroom, but I didn't pay attention to it. I was living with my mother at the time, and it had been a couple of weeks since she had had her first brain surgery. Um, So, you know, I got up, I go on the living room, and she's watching TV, and she's just weeping uncontrollably. And, you know, at first, I'm thinking, what's wrong? You know, And, and, and I'm like, what's going on? And then she pointed at the TV, and it was NBC's coverage, and it was Tom Brokaw talking over the the wreckage of the World Trade Center, and it uh, still emotional. It's it um, it cut to, there to um, what happened at the Pentagon, and just yeah, I, I at that point I went back in my bedroom because it was just like what's going on, you know. I went to my TV and I started changing the channels and. I started crying when I turned to the Home Shopping Network and Home Shopping had CBS on, (laughs) you know, just every channel was news, news, news. Um, Later that day, my mother and I, we had to go out to a doctor's appointment that she had to go to, which pissed me off because I wanted to just keep on listening to the news. But my car had no radio. And when we got to the doctor's office, we found that the doctor's office found the one radio station that was still playing music, and it had to be the worst radio station in Grand Rapids, Light FM, you know, so it's like the worst day in human history, and Michael Bolton is serenading everybody. Oh, no. Yeah, and then from there, we um, went to uh, Myers by our house. Myers is a big regional um, grocery store chain uh, by there, and um, they had a McDonald's in there, and we ate lunch at the mcdonald's and they had a tv uh set up uh that had the news on and a few people that were in myers were just around that tv and then i remember by the time we got home we got home at just before eight o'clock i turned on the news it was cbs it was eight o'clock news and that was the first images i saw that they showed of actual people jumping and my mother and I lost it. like, like we just hugged each other and just like, we wept for like 20 minutes and just, just awful. Like, like the feeling of driving that day, looking up in the sky. I mean, obviously Michigan's not, Michigan is like far from New York, but not that far. So in terms of, you know, planes that do fly by, we do get a fair number. We did get a fair number of them. And it was so eerie looking up in the sky and seeing nothing. I mean, it, it's like if anybody looking up in the sky now, you're bound to see, even if you don't see a plane, you do see like a Ken trail of like a jet or something like that. You see evidences that planes were there. And just that day, just not seeing any planes in the sky was horrible. And just, I, I, the, uh, you know, it made me understand too why, you know, older people like my grandma's generation were so hung up on Pearl Harbor you know it's just like if you actually see something that horrific with your own eyes or you hear the accounts of um you know you know peers compatriots that did witness it you know it's 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 bound to affect you and um it's it's definitely hurt this country in many 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 ways not just because they took down a couple of towers you know the buildings could be replaced you know it's just the lives lost because of that you know it's like the united states government took this as the excuse to become a fascist fascist government they did you know and you know 9-11 helped the snowball effect that brought us to donald trump that brought us to where we are today
1: yeah this is a complicated issue and i think that's why i like taking in information um, where and when I can on it, because yeah, it it turns out that this has been kind of a brewing powder keg of a situation for some time. Um, but yeah, it's gutting to see what's happening now. It's gutting to see what was happening before that led up till now. It's a very unfortunate situation, um, to need to be dealing with right now on top of everything with the pandemic and there are people which by the way like just to throw it out there as far as uh, effects this has had if you don't think it wasn't traumatic for children to be introduced to the idea of people hurling themselves from the top of a building like that's how that got jarred on to me in high school like yeah. there are forms of trauma from seeing things like that. You know, that's really honestly why they try not to show like certain things on the news. There's a reason they don't show you the bloody body on the curb of the horrible accident they're showing you that they try not to do that because they're, they're trying not to like emotionally scar children, you know, that there's better ways to introduce the realities of this world than that. Um, That could have been introduced to a bunch of people differently. And we're not even done healing from that because that situation has been ongoing because this war has still been going on this whole time.
0: Now let's ask this question. Uh, And I think the only way we can really tackle this question is if we answer it on a personal basis, have what good have you made from your life because of 9-11 what I mean by that is this now uh, uh, I mean for me at the time when I did that you know it was before you know before I met my ex-wife before my kids were around I was just a dumb guy that was just out of college working at a gas station not much happening and for me what that made me realize is that you know at that particular time I was just coasting you know I could have been doing a lot more stuff and I was not doing it. it made me really appreciate just how precious life is. And, you know, it It makes me happy when positive things can happen, especially on this day, because, you know, September 11th, 2016, was the day I got to, you know, ask Stan Lee a question, you know, the fact that, you know, and, and and that sounds really petty, you know, um, especially somebody that did not live in New York or, you know, have to directly deal with this. But, you know, again, you know, when you see that death and carnage at that level, you know, you, as a human, you want to learn from it. You want to become a better person from it. And, you know, again, being able to have an opportunity to, really understand that, you know, life is really precious that you don't know when it's going going away, like none of those people in that building, you know, knew that, you know, they were they were going to choose that. And, and, And think about it too. like, think about having to choose to either jump from the top of the World Trade Center, or to be burned alive.
1: And that's what they best figure at that point in time. You know, there, there's people who are smarter than me with math and can figure out like the actual physics and what the fuck it's of things that yeah. um, you know they were able to figure out about how hot it would have been up there at that time. And they were like, "Yeah, it was really a choice, um, and it's a sucky one to make." That's where it's uh, it was interesting viewing that in the south um in the bible belt buckle specifically and uh, that jerry Falwell type of response um i mean i don't know jerry Falwell specifically so i'm just going to say what the general response was then you can tell me if it's close but you know it turned into this speculation of you know those poor souls like you know it was almost like if they had made it to burn to death they would get to go to heaven And I think that was one of the weirdest things that made me really start to question some of the religion uh, play in life. Because I I sat there and immediately went, "Mm, I don't think that's what those verses were talking about. Like, (laughs) I I don't, I'm not sure. I I wasn't sold that that was the best response to have. Like it was the, oh, they're poor souls, but it kind of took a turn there. And uh, I just, I remember that response to the reality of what I had just seen um, was very jarring in and of itself. Like, you know, like the whole situation was jarring and very, like I said, traumatic in its own sense. And granted, you know, for any of you folks out there doing the math, this is while I was in high school and I was already not really having a great time just on a personal level. So it's interesting uh, going through something already with my family. And then on top of that, kind of having this interesting situation that that played out through a TV screen in front of me. I'm not going to sit there and compare it to people who were there physically, but I'm also not going to invalidate that experience for me and a lot of kids who that was their experience of 9-11.
0: It was traumatic. and, And yeah, no, I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan and only viewed this on television. But how can you be a compassionate human being and not be affected by watching that?
1: Oh yeah, because it was live coverage. They didn't have the delay to stop, you know, those visuals. And I, and I'm not one of those people, again, that thinks that we should be necessarily shielding, shielding from everything, but, you know, it's a jarring way to introduce, you know, kids high schoolers middle schoolers that that was their situation so there's there's been a lot of long-term effects from this whole thing but that's where it's like yeah i i don't want to forget and i don't want to shut down learning things about it
0: yeah i mean i i remember there was a documentary i saw that um on 9-11 that had footage from the main lobby of the world trade center after the planes hit And Mm -hmm. it was also at the time when people started to jump and it was sickening because you would hear just a crash, a crash. And it was bodies and just knowing that was outside and just at the end of the day, it was, like I said, the most horrific thing I ever hoped to see again you know and um knowing seeing how selfish and depraved human beings can get it's probably not going to be but um you know i think again because this made me appreciate life more about you know treasuring those little moments because you don't know when it's going to be i guess to end this i would just say again appreciate life. I think every single person that did lose their life on that day would be the first to tell you you know if they had the ability to come back you know you don't know when it's going to end. Live your life to the fullest. Don't have any regrets either you know and that's that's a tough order. I mean everybody's going to have some regrets of some sort but you know if there is if you did have that that fear of joining a haunt for instance now's the time to do it you
1: know. Yeah, live life yolo style hashtag mm-hmm. please apply to work for me
0: <laughs> yes now let's end things on a really positive note and i don't think we can get any more positive than talking about one gene wilder so listen <laughs>
1: Exactly. So uh, birthday months happened. I know I mentioned that the Mr. Reverend and I put together a really cool treasure box for my girl child. It did finally get to her. Another thing that happened, though, was that she had put together a birthday box for myself and the Mr. Reverend because all of our birthdays are in August. That's right. We are a pride of Leo's here. Um, So I thought it was really great. And it super surprised me that she got me this awesome Life magazine that is featuring Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So for anybody out there looking for a feel-good coffee reader or, you know, reality being that you're probably going to put it behind your toilet, but if you're looking for something nice, these are on display until November 5th of 2021. So you can go and get one still. It is the Life featuring Willy Wonka. It's got really cool, like, true stories and trivia. It's got some behind-the-scenes stuff and some really good, like, never-before-seen, like, photography, like, on the set. Um, And there's a really awesome one of, you know, Charlie, the kid that plays Charlie doing Thumb Wars with one of the Oompa Loompas. Because one of the trivia facts that I know about the Oompa Loompas specifically is that they kind of did this insane casting call for... You know, they used different words that weren't considered bad terms back then, but for all little people who were actors, like everywhere, because they needed a lot. They didn't have the CGI to make dozens of, you know, smaller statured people, which is what they wanted for the look of the Oompa Loompa. So they had cast and many of them did not speak English. So I very much could see, you know, some of those things being those nonverbal things you can do like something as simple as thumb war. So I thought that was really cute uh, when I saw Charlie playing thumb war uh, with one of the Oompa Loompa actors. So really good, feel good stuff. Feel free to go out there and get it. The list price on this in the United States is $14.99 and I guarantee it'll give you a good little bit of time of feel good stories So don't let us depress you too bad. We didn't want to get too into the dark side, but, you know, it's been kind of an interesting time this month. And, uh, you know, at least we could finish it with something nice to leave you with. That, and you can always look up fuzzy animal videos because there's been some studies neurologically that it can put you in a good mood.
0: Indeed, I love the dodo by the way i I follow them both on Twitter and Facebook. I love their videos just uh, especially the ones where they like find like the 15 year old dog that's been living in the wilderness for like most of his life and it's like matted up and then they find him and he can barely walk, but then they they, you know, feed him, wash him, give him some love. And then by the end of the video, he's a big happy puppy again. You know, those videos are always great to see. Um and also about the magazine too, Life magazine, those are perfect bathroom rates. I mean, just it's not, it's not a book. You're not you don't have to commit too much time in there. And uh yeah, it's it's not uh superfluous type of uh, writing either as well. So I would definitely recommend uh, getting one of those two. But any final words before we wrap things up?
1: This is a funny ha-ha on the Dodo. Like you'd be surprised who you see pop in there. Like legitimately, they do a lot of videos uh, uh-huh. featuring different humane societies. And they even have uh, the Dodo puppy. Hmm. Um, and usually what they're doing right now is it's Vito the Dodo pup is this one that they're following right now, but they do follow a lab that is being trained to be a seeing eye dog for the blind. And that is one of the ways that they get revenue and get interest in having the support that they need to do things like train guide dogs for the blind in America. But uh, what's interesting is on the Dodo, you can see stuff like that. And you can also see other rescue stories that involve surprising people. The most surprising one I saw was, I guess, Whitney Cummings, who is a comedian and an actress. She has been on there at least once or twice. One time that I saw where she helped, uh, you know, rehab a very scared shelter dog with some of her own dogs that she has. I know her love of her dogs has come up in her stand up. So it was really kind of interesting to see um her kind of put her money where her mouth was interestingly Uh enough like really it's like oh wow but like i was watching the dodo one time randomly one morning just for fluffy feel goods i was like is that whitney cummings (laughs) sure as shit it was
0: yes you would be surprised so definitely check them out and uh thank you all for listening again if this is your first time listening to friends talking nerdy thank you and we would love for you to subscribe and share this show on social media Follow us on social media and Discord to keep up with us throughout the week. The links to those are in our show description. We thank you all for listening. We bid you adieu. Adieu. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon.
1: Goodbye, darling.